0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in up at the Mackinac Policy Conference. There are lots of serious conversations going on about the challenges that face us as a state. I want to have a less than serious conversation, though, at the end here, and I'm going to be joined by three of my favorite people here in the state of Michigan. Kelly Rossman McKinney is CEO and principal of Truscott-Rossman Consulting Firm. Kelly, welcome to Detroit Today. Why,
1: thank you, Stephen.
0: John Truscott is the president and principal of Truscott-Rossman. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be here. And Ron Fournier, longtime journalist and political reporter, is the new president of Scott Rossman. Ron, welcome to Detroit today. Thanks for having us. It's good to see you guys. Uh, as I said, this is supposed to be fun. So quit glowering at me.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not glowering. This is my last this is your, day I was at Trescott Rossman. You're done
0: and you're going to go. So I have I have the same question for Kelly and Ron, which is what on earth is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you are going off to run I for am. the state legislature. I am. Now, after all of this time uh, lobbying and uh, doing uh, other kinds of activities, you'd think you'd learned your lesson uh, about the futility of such uh, work, but uh, you want to go off and do it. Tell me why. You
1: know, well, because I believe that the legislature has a job to do that has not been done in many years. That we need folks who are responsible, who are compassionate, uh-huh. who are willing to leave their party colors at the door and find compromise in a way that serves the greater good. Yeah. And if people like you and I, Steven, so put it on your bucket list. Yeah, if no, people thanks. like you and I <laughs> don't speak up and step up, then we have to shut up. And I don't know about you. I'm no longer willing to shut up. So I'm at a time in my life where this is something I can do. Can I can get it, back yeah. to the state. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, tell me about the district that you're running in. So the district is um, on the west and north of Lansing. It includes Eaton, Clinton, and Shiawassee counties and a northeast quadrant of Ingham County. It goes everything from kind of an urban area all the way to super rural. It yeah. is a fascinating microcosm of the state. And it's, it's wonderful. I've gotten to see... Corners of our state that I never would have seen yeah. otherwise. Yeah.
0: Uh, you like your chances there?
1: I like my chances a lot. Yeah. Yes, uh, very much is so. Is John
0: Truscott supporting your campaign? John Truscott Writing is checks. supporting I me. I am on record. <laughs> I have written You're a giving check money <laughs> and to and I a Democrat? Her, I, oh, my I am. goodness.
1: Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> well, because John, like me, remembers when the legislature was one where was people wrote, well stuff, people right? were into problem solving, not problem creating. Yeah. They solved real problems that dealt with real people. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. It's one big political yeah. mud bath. i was trying politics. to think of something delicate <laughs> yeah something you can meg- say on, <laughs> the <laughs> on the radio <laughs>
0: uh, ron Fournier, you and i were brothers of the pen uh <laughs> we're, we're still brothers right? yeah, it's of course well maybe i don't know uh but now you are going off to a new life uh with Scott rossman tell yeah. me about that transition and what you hope to accomplish I'm loving it you know I had a, a lot of luck as
2: a journalist a great run covering the White House and Bill Clinton in Arkansas and being a leader of a newsroom in Washington and yeah. then a newsroom here in Detroit um, but I'm getting of the age where you know I, I got to keep learning I, I got to keep doing new things and I, I I've been wondering for a long time what would it be like to not be on the outside looking in yeah what would be like not just criticizing what would it be like if I was actually in the room and able to advocate for people? And, Tell and people issues what you that I really care think, about. Right? Exactly, and coming in at a level like this, for a firm like this, I'm going to be able to represent only people and, 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 and institutions that I really care about. And I've only been doing it for four weeks, but it's been the biggest thrill. It. It's been right? a thrill to be able to, hey, she's got a problem, instead of me just writing one column, I may be doing a little bit of help and then moving on. I can get you can twenty people in, writing, in. and I can get a lot of people writing about it. And I can I can affect a company, I can affect a cause, I can make life better for people.
0: And and talk about some of those issues. What are the things that uh, you're getting fired up to work on?
2: Well, the the, the first one that uh, when I first walked in, John said, I want you to meet this woman named Mary Butziger. She's a CEO of Lucerne International in, in Auburn Hills, uh, Michigan. She she. Uh, brings in hinges that that are put on the outside of the Wrangler Mm -hmm. and she's a Republican and uh, the Trump terrorists are going to destroy her company. So I talked to her. She's incredibly dynamic. She's charismatic. My first thought is, man, this is gonna be a hell of a column. Mm -hmm. I can't (laughs) write just one column, but I was able uh, uh, through um, help from my colleagues and the connections that I have, uh, we got the New York Times and put her on the front page of the of their business section. She was in the Wall Street Journal. John King mentioned her on his show. The NPR did a three-minute special. Michigan Radio, Cranes Detroit, Free uh-huh. Press News. Uh-huh. We've helped Mary build a platform that's going to help her employees stay working, that's going to that's going take on Donald Trump on an issue that I think he needs to be taken on on uh, very strongly and with a, a really strong advocate like Mary. I'm finding joy in that in a way I that I say, have it in journalism. You know, in
0: a I've always had this, uh, this thing that I talk about where after you 've finished writing a piece there's this like twenty minute high that you mm-hmm. that you get it 's this sort of sense of accomplishment. And, yep. Uh, do, are, are you finding the similar sort of response from from doing this? Or I am in, it feel different? and I'm
2: a little bit surprised um, <laughs> but, but, but but I am I wasn't sure how I would how I would take to this but um, look at first journalism is an incredibly noble profession and I was honored to be able to be a part of it and thank God there's still people like you in it It is a mission you know, I got up every day excited about maybe being able to move the needle yeah. Especially in politics, especially the last 10 or 20 years, it's been really hard to move the needle as a political reporter. Yeah. So, yes, now I'm excited that I can see direct impact of what I do. I had a hard time seeing direct impact writing an, a, a column at, in, in the Atlantic and even being a part of the newsroom at Crane's Detroit yeah. Business, which is a great institution. But, sure. but now I'm able to do more than that one column and really help out.
0: Okay, so John Truscott, I asked... Kelly and Ron, what was wrong with them. I'm going to ask you, why are you hanging out with these two? What's wrong with you? That's a good question.
3: I'm going to flip it a little bit and and say I'm the lucky guy who had a great eight-year run with Kelly. It was a phenomenal experience. I think we accomplished almost everything we set out to accomplish. And now that that Kelly goes on to be in the state legislature, I get to work with Ron, somebody I've known and worked with, you know, over the years, kind of on and off a little bit more when he came back to Cranes and and, uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for his ability. And, you know, I, I just expect for all of our clients now to end up, on the front page of the New
0: York Times. <laughs> so that, that's the only thing Ron has to do. They're, 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 they're all totally that easy, right? Man, totally makeable bar for you and <laughs> exactly. uh, not, not too exactly. high expectations. Well,
2: seriously, the fact that the, the three of us have known each other for a long time and have done business with each other, um, I, I could not see me, myself making this, this this big change in my life without people who I really trust and love. And I know Kelly, she's promised to... Um, to kill me if I ever do anything wrong. So she's <laughs> just, just seeing very close. I was a little more
1: subtle, but apparently you did get the message. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> so I have, a, I, have a, I have a mentor in Kelly and, yeah. a, and a great colleague in John. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well,
1: um, And it's wonderful to watch. It is wonderful to watch um, Ron absolutely embrace this. Yeah. That journalists don't always make the transition to advocate very smoothly. It's not I've, the same world. No, it's not the same mm-hmm. world at all. It's it's same skills, same contacts, mm-hmm. but a totally different yeah. strategic approach. And he's been absolutely a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had several late night calls, and he's almost always ebullient about something, or <laughs> he's totally racked about how to handle something. And either way, it's so much fun. Yeah. I just I get such joy and watching him oh learn the business yeah. and I d- I'm sorry I'm not going to have a chance to work with him but I know I g- I'll get to see him as a friend throughout gonna my career. I was going to say I
0: think you'd see a lot of them if you win that seat. Um, <laughs> yep. So no, John no, Boehner, no, no if about it. She's yeah. gonna win seat. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to make sure of that somehow right? Uh, so John Bunner said this week on the island that there is no Republican party <laughs> right now. He said there's only the Trump party and the GOP is off somewhere taking a nap. Are they taking a nap or are they dead? They well, kind of look alike. I don't know. I'm going to I'm asking you guys. What does that mean? John, I'm going to start oh, with you Thanks. because uh, you have been uh, the a, Republican. a stalwart <laughs> Republican voice in this state for a really long time and you you have seen the changes. My party and you and I have talked about this before.
3: I you know, I, I think if I had to analyze it right now I'd say there's a couple of different Republican parties. Yeah. There there is the the, the party that I've Belonged to and identified with pretty much my whole adult life. And there are a lot of us up here. Um, and, and I look around the people that I worked with in the younger administration, people I'm still friends with, and we all feel the same way. I mean, the, the party has definitely moved way beyond what we were where we, we were economic conservatives mm-hmm. and that's what we cared about. And it was just trying to grow the state and grow the country. Um, I think a lot of this has been driven by social media and the ability to say things anonymously. Uh, say mean things anonymously and so there's just there's a cultural upheaval going on I think on both sides of the aisle Um, but I think that we my Republican Party still exists but we're just not organized as such with the apparatus and I don't think the Trump Party has the apparatus either it's kind of in flux right now waiting to see where things end up
0: I mean but the chaos is working to its advantage it seems like which is sort of counterintuitive isn't it it
3: is. It's kind of this rebellion, anger, you know, anti-establishment, yeah. kind of all balled up into one. And that's what we're dealing with right now. That will continue to shift where it ends up. Who knows? It could get better. It could get worse. I just don't know. Yeah. As you know,
2: I, I, I don't think there's equivalencies in the parties. I'm, I'm definitely a leftist center guy. But one thing that is going on that is similar here is that neither party is adapting very well to the change. Yeah. They're not adapting to the new economy. They're not adapting to the new demography, and they're certainly not adapting to the new way of communicating, the, the power that each individual has to communicate, and the democratization of, of communications. Um, and they're they're both just lost contact with people today. And if, if they're not careful, um, uh, and I think the Republican Party is in bigger risk than the Democratic Party, but they're both in danger of losing their relevance in the next century.
0: So, Kelly, are Democrats, uh, uh, you know, basking in the in the chaos? No on one. Right?
1: I don't think anyone should be basking yeah. because, um, d- despite what John and Ron said, and I totally agree with them, they're at the the sort of thirty thousand foot philosophical political perspective. When the people I talk to, when I'm going door to door. Their concerns are very real and have nothing to do with partisanship. Mm -hmm. Their concerns are the crappy roads, they're worried about where their kids are going to go when they get out of high school. They're worried about what their kids are going to do. Can they afford college? They're worried about are they really getting the kind of education they thought they were getting? Mm-hmm. They're worried about the quality of their water. They're worried about real-life things that you and I, all of us, sit at the kitchen table every day and talk about. And and it, that's why I'm running, because those people no longer have a voice in Lansing. The legislature doesn't go... To to their equivalent of a kitchen table, roll up their sleeves, and get to work. They're not true problem solvers. They're taking political maneuvering and pretending that that's solving a problem, and that's bull.
0: But at the same time, voters bear some responsibility for what we see, don't they? I mean, uh, the, the, the way that they punish, for instance, people uh, who try to uh, work across the aisle and say, hey, no, I want somebody who's more a purist. I want a I leftist... Democrat or I want a really far right uh, Republican. But then when you get it, you learn that, well, you know, it's hard to get things done.
1: So so keep in mind that the vast majority of voters aren't even paying attention to what's going on politically in terms of who's right. running, what the, what the issues they're running on. They're not paying attention until, what, Very 30, late 45 cycle. days yeah. before the election. And I don't blame them. They are busy, and it is hard to pay attention and stay in tune.
0: So so can we solve that by electing different people? People like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. I'm shocked to hear you say that, Kelly. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue my conversation with my friends from Trust Scott Rossman. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests right now are Kelly Rossman McKinney. CEO and principal of Truscott-Rossman Consulting Firm. She's also running for state senate as a democrat in a republican district. Hey, 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 hey. We call it a
1: movable district.
0: But right now it is represented by a republican, right? We're calling Uh, it a flipper. Okay, all right. I I like that term. Uh, Also here is John Truscott, president and principal of Truscott-Rossman, and Ron Fournier, longtime journalist and political reporter, and the new president of trust Scott Rossman. We were talking before the break about the GOP and and some of the problems that uh, that party is having. Let's flip the, the, the spectrum a little bit. Uh, I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago who wrote an op-ed in the New York Times. It said liberals are way too smug and they think they're smarter than everyone else and they're really obnoxious about uh, that thought and that that's one of the things that could drive Republicans to victory in the midterm elections uh, and could help reelect the president in in 2020. Uh, are liberals getting it wrong too Kelly
1: I have not seen anyone be smug about politics. I think this is a year where people are really being... Um, very strategic. They recognize the opportunity, but they're not taking it for granted. And, you know, I'm going to county party meetings. Um, there are four different counties that are represented by my state senate district, and no one's taking anything for granted. Now, it may be the political pundits who are coming across the smug, but the people who are... Um, uh, in the trenches, they're not smug at all. They recognize an opportunity, but they know they have to work hard to take advantage of that opportunity.
0: Ron, are uh, liberals smug and not connecting with, uh, with voters the right way? I
2: hate to overgeneralize, but um, any, any pundits and anybody on the left who's using uh, social media, the new voice they have, the power they have to um, declare victory too soon, or even worse, to call anybody who supports Donald Trump stupid or a racist? Um, who condescends, who doesn't try to walk a mile in the other side's shoes and try to figure out how you might be able to pull them over to your side. Anybody who acts like that, yes, it does turn off the other side, and it does incite them to come out and vote, and it does close minds, and it makes it... uh, um, again, it, it, it's how you have two parties that just run to the corners.
0: But uh, so some of them are racist. Uh, and, and don't we have an obligation on some level to say, look, that's racist? I mean, some of the things the president is saying yeah, we ha- quite
2: racist. We have an absolute responsibility um, and right uh, to call out racism for racism. Um, but we shouldn't overgeneralize um, all liberals as being smug um, or all, all Trump voters as being bigoted and racist. As, as, as you know, in a county very close to... Uh, where this show broadcast, Macomb County, voted twice for Barack Obama and then voted for Donald Trump. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So how, tell me how you know, tens of thousands of people voted for Donald Trump and voted for, for Obama and being bigots. It just yeah. doesn't always add up.
0: No, it doesn't. Uh, John, uh, what, what do you think of the troubles that the Democrats have right now?
3: You know, I think it's really easy, as, as Ron said, to go to the extremes on, on both sides. I think the Democrats may be doing that, um, you know, especially nationally. Uh, the the whole progressive movement has has an opportunity to swing way too far left, and I think that's what scares average Americans is is an extreme on either side, and that's what they tend to rebel against. And I I think that the Trump election was born from. A lot of people seeing major change major upheaval and saying you know kind of what's what's happening people are disrespecting the flag and burning it and disrespecting police and that just kind of had this visceral reaction where we just want some normalcy as we've known it and that's you know i don't think we're necessarily getting it but it's it's as it was the closest vote that they could cast to get it so i i think there's trouble on both sides and
2: these things tend to work themselves out after some pretty major upheaval. I think empirically the Republican Party is going much farther hard to the right than the, than the Democratic Party is going to the left. The Democrats should take advantage of it and not, not make the same mistake and, because, and hurt their advantage.
0: Because reaching out to that middle is is the way to win, right?
2: Exactly, and if the other party is destroying itself by running to the right, let them.
1: <laughs> well, and if I could just add, I don't believe the vote for Trump was viewed by as many voters as a partisan vote as one might think. I think it was their way of saying I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So I don't view it as a partisan vote and Macomb County is an excellent example of that whereas you said voters went for Barack Obama and then they totally flipped because they are mad as hell and the only thing they have to use to show how angry they are is that vote. Yeah. That's why Macomb that's- County
2: is such a great Epicenter of American politics. They also went for Bill Clinton in right. 96 right. and went for him harder in 92 than he ever had before yeah. because he was the agent of change.
0: Right. Yeah. He was a disruptor. Okay, let's talk about uh, transit, which we never talk about transit in Michigan, right? Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> gosh. The perennial. Transit. We have perfect transit. That old chestnut. Uh, right? <laughs> um, you know, the RTA... Discussion up here on the island uh, was really interesting to me uh, for a couple reasons, but but the chief one is that um, the pushback from Mark Hackle in particular, to this idea that we take another run at uh, funding the RTA in 2018 seemed to be about something more than transit. Uh, <laughs> it, it seemed quite uh, quite personal, and he he seemed like he felt the. Uh, I don't know, bullied, maybe, uh, in, in, uh, in, by, by the people who, who uh, support it. Uh, I, I interviewed him and Warren Evans together. I've never seen the two of them interact the way uh, that they did. I mean, and, and I, these are two guys who respect each other. They were both former sheriffs. Uh, they can talk about being cops for hours together. But when we started talking about transit, it got very tense, uh, and and I wonder if we've gotten to a point where it is about something other than just can we get people around better around here. And is now this this referendum on uh, whether you're from Macomb or Oakland or Wayne, and whether you got to stick up for your own and tell everybody else, you know, we like you, but we can't help you out. Uh, that seems a really dangerous road to go down, John.
3: You know, it's almost like we should leave this debate up to younger people who are actually kind of living and yearning for a better transit system. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. We hear all the time now of people who are younger professionals living downtown and commuting out to the suburbs. I mean, that is a flip that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Um, But it's not just Detroit that's growing and urbanizing. It's the Royal Oaks and and Mm -hmm. the Ferndales that are, you know, so there's, there's something going on that's really positive and that connection uh, transportation wise just isn't happening and this has been a debate at this conference you know whether it was a D-dot and in the, in the suburban system it's been going on for 30 years yeah. and hasn't been solved so I mean the leaders that are here have shown an inability to solve it no matter what it is maybe we need another way
2: hmm. Ron so um, I had the same experience as you did I interviewed uh, the big four of uh, right. and, and and Brooks Patterson and Duggan and, and uh, uh, Evans at the 8 Mile Association about a month or so ago And the conversation around RTA— that
0: got really nasty.
2: It was interesting. The conversation was pretty typical at first. You know, they were staking out their positions, and there was, you know, obvious difference between Patterson and Hackle and, on the other side, Duggan and Evans. And I let it unwind, and right towards the end, as they were trying to wrap it up, I said, let's talk about the elephant in the room. How much of the opposition in Macomb County and in Oakland County, but especially Macomb County, has to do with race? Evans jumped right on it, uh, 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 Executive Evans of, of Wayne County, and mm-hmm. said, obviously, race is um, the, an underlying factor, an underlying something shadowing um, just about every important issue in Metro Detroit, actually in the entire country. Sure. Um, I turned a question to um, Hackle, and uh, first he wouldn't answer it. And I asked him again, and he didn't answer it. And I asked him a third time. And he really pushed back uh, very hard, very hard, and, and direct, and saying race is not an issue, and you raising it is, is, um, um, is poisoning the system. Hmm. So it went from um, a very typical kind of conversation As soon as race was issued, it was like all of the old. Yeah. baggage came out yeah. and all the dirty laundry was thrown out on the stage and it, it, it felt again like an, uh, the mid-1970s and we're having the same arguments so how, we,
0: how do we get past that I, that that surprises i think me one thing is
2: talking about it yeah i mean how, how can you have a conversation um about transit without talking about um you know the old eight mile bugaboo and, right? and uh, right. the, the the worry that people who don't look like us are going to be um driving out past us and we have to talk about how it's important for all of us that people who are living in the city and in, in, in living in Novi need to have transportation, that the fact that they have to take two and a half hours on two buses and a bicycle to get to work isn't good for any of us. And the only way we can get to that is if we talk about, um, uh, as, as Evans put it, the 800-pound gorilla.
1: And it's not, it's not just the people who want to get to jobs, but there are employers, especially in Oakland and Macomb, who have jobs waiting and can't get workers to those jobs. When we worked on the RTA millage two years ago, we ran into this very same problem, although Hackle and Brooks were not as direct, Mm -hmm. but they directed their representatives on the RTA board at that time to vote against putting the millage on the ballot, and if you recall, you and I talked at the time, I tweeted from the meeting, so they want to build a wall. Yeah. I was thinking more just like, oh, yeah. you know, a wall. Right. I didn't think of it in racial terms, and it was immediately taken as a um, as a racial argument. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. the the fact that two years later, things have actually people have really gone into their corners. They have really hardened their positions, as opposed to finding. Compromise that works for all—that's terrible. That there are jobs <clears throat> sitting open, there are people who need those jobs i can't get to them. How are we gonna? You can't have people ride bikes all year; they can't do that. We can't have the walking man. That's just—that's you know one the story.
2: I think John John's right. This is generational. Um, the, the the people are gonna have to lead the leaders because the leaders right now are being led. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooks Patterson and, and Mark Hackel don't want to try to convince their constituents why this is a good idea. Um, what's going to happen is, is uh, demography is eventually going to take over this issue. I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk quickly about the the governor's race. We've got about five minutes. Left, uh, John Truscott, you were the press secretary to John Engler when I think you were like 12 or something. Add <laughs> <laughs> just a few <laughs> years to that, but not many. <laughs> not many. Um, uh, is there someone you see in this race who reminds you of the person you worked for, like uh, that that style of, of leadership, uh, that style of getting things done?
3: No. No? I, I really no? don't see anybody with that... Um, I mean, one, his experience in the legislative process was unlike any other. Uh, His connection with people in communities, given his farm background, he knew the agriculture community inside and out. They all knew his father, uh, who had, you know, been a Farm Bureau leader and and things like that. It was a much different time. It was a much more way to hands-on campaign. There wasn't social media. I mean... My cell phone at the time was a bag phone, and if I drove north of Mount Pleasant, there were no cell towers. <laughs> it didn't work. Um, and so it was a much different time, and it was much more retail politics based, and it was a lot of fun because you really developed relationships with people. And I don't see that sort of personal uh, connection or campaigning uh, in, in this cycle. That's and an interesting and I don't see anybody that. with the kind of background where they they really know. You know. It's not as bad as just, just sound bites and things like that, but I, I think it's more shallow hmm. maybe now than it was then.
0: Hmm. Uh, Ron, quickly, we, uh, we've got to get the, out of the show, but but I'm curious what you think of this field.
2: It's it's a very traditional field. Um, the, I don't see any of the candidates, uh, kind of people who are going to transform uh, politics in the state, that are going to go after the institutions in the state, um, that are holding back our politics, that are going to change redistricting, that are going to change money in politics, that are really going to bring um, generational reform i think it's a pretty traditional um, very partisan field yeah.
1: except for that one state senate seat in the 24th <laughs> I'm t- district i'm <laughs> talking about the governor's
2: race yeah.
1: some, just wanted to
2: get that <laughs> i just want to point out uh, she's a running she,
3: woman
0: she wore red today to be bipartisan uh, so. uh, <laughs>
1: look at uh, uh, you bet right. that's exactly why <laughs> uh, okay kelly
0: rossman mckinney john truscott and ron fournier Great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Thanks for having Stephen. us. Great to see you, Stephen. That'll do it for us live from the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island at the Mackinac Policy Conference. Next week, we are going to have more from our conversations with politicians and business leaders. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber-Davis and Jake Neer. Program Director is Joan Isabella. Technical Director and Engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And the Associate Producer is Gus Navarro. The theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bovee, and this is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you next week.